Hey everyone, welcome to Astro Alchemy. Today is Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. We are on the heels of the new moon in Cancer. So it went exact, um, I believe sometime late last night, uh, Eastern Standard Time. And then, you know, this whole day has basically been a new moon day. Um, my name is Sarah Burns and I am with, oh no, I forgot to <laughs> learn your name better. Uh, I'm, just, but I'm with Laura Zwanek, not pronounced properly, but, um, but she will forgive me, I think for this episode. <laughs> and, um, yeah, this is, this is our fourth episode of Astro Alchemy. Um, we're really excited to kind of be continuing doing it. And as per usual, we're going to cover the uh, astrology transits of the week, um, kind of go over how we felt certain things were affecting us and the collective zeitgeist in general. And then we'll also cover the human designs and Gene Keys um, take on the transits as well. Uh, Laura, do you want to say anything before we hop in? Uh, just for, not forewarning you, but just proclaiming that this week the sun has been, been in Gene Key 52, and that was also the gate of the new moon. So that's just our theme for today, if you will. But that's all. It's an extra strong theme for today because because of that and then I'm wondering actually and we can get into this later but what is the cross that includes 52 in the location of Jupiter and uh location of Jupiter and Lilith in Aries Ooh, that is a good question it's not well, the cross of the vessel of love no uh with the sun in 52 the earth is in uh 58 and there are there would be two different well, multiple crosses that include these two gates because whether it's a uh, left angle or right angle sorry getting into the weeds uh, if you're a person whose birthday is this week say for example and you have your son in gene key 52 or gate 52 and your earth in 58 if your profile number is one three or two four or any combination in which the first number is smaller than the second number you have I believe right angle karma uh, or a right angle cross. And if your second number is bigger than your first number, like five one, five two, six one, six two, six three, excuse me, then you have a left angle cross. And so the second combo of gates, your design, sun and earth, will be different than that of someone with, uh, I believe the right angle so it depends there's a combination of different crosses uh but I can look it up well like later when we get into yeah. talking about this gene key uh, well it looks yeah, like Jupiter's in, Jupiter's in 17 but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where Lilith is anyway we'll get into that more once we look into uh once we kind of cover the astrology um so so yeah, so I think that the most important thing that's happening right now, and like actually collectively too, is the new moon in Cancer, um, and it happened to be squaring Jupiter and Aries, uh, also con which Jupiter and Aries was conjoined Black Moon Lilith, which 
I believe I heard this from another astrologer. I can't remember who, but Lilith was um, in like myth, the, uh, the, the first wife of Adam. And she was actually, um, there was like, it was something along the lines of she was like more powerful um, or equal, like really equal to Adam. And so she became somehow um, uh, ostracized or cast away. And she was cursed to basically have like many of her children die. And she ended up stealing Adam's seed. So what ended up happening was he too um, had his children die when she would have her children die. So that's like my very rough way of describing the mythology behind Lilith. Um, there's a lot of different ways to look at her. One of the things that I look at, and actually one of my good friends is at Lilith Astrology, Adama, and she talks a lot about Lilith. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed with Lilith is it's like an unintegrated kink. It's like this part of yourself that um, you maybe unconsciously reject, um, but it's also part of your power. Uh, and maybe other people, maybe you've experienced other people unconsciously rejecting it, or you've experienced yourself rejecting that quality within other people. There's some kind of feminine Pluto nine, like just vibe with Lilith. So, so Lilith is conjoined Jupiter <laughs> and she's squaring this new moon. And um, we're also experiencing Mars getting closer and closer to a square with Pluto. Uh, so Mars and Aries at the very tail end of Aries squaring Pluto in Capricorn at the very tail end of Capricorn um, during this time, which is the United States is Pluto return um, at the very end of Capricorn. So, so yeah, so there's, so there's a lot going on and needless to say, there's been some really crazy stuff happening with the Supreme Court um, and Roe v. Wade. And Laura, I'll let you touch on any of those things before we I dive too much into the the politics of it. Yeah. So first off, I'm not maybe I misheard, but I think you made a just minor technical error. I think you said Lilith is conjoined Jupiter. Lilith is conjoined the new moon square Jupiter. Um, but I could have maybe misheard and you actually said it correctly. Oh, you're right. I did say it was conjoined Jupiter. Okay, thank you, Joe. <laughs> Just in case you're out there questioning my fifth lineness, got to make sure everything's right. Um, but yeah, Lilith, what you shared about the mythology is really interesting. I was familiar with some of it, but I guess not all of it. I wasn't aware that she stole his seed and uh, cursed his children when hers died as well. Um, I know that she, you know, was on equal footing with Adam and did I say Eve? Gosh, I think it's just one of those days where we're saying words incorrectly. I know that she was on the same footing and the same position of equality with Adam. And um, when she was cast out, Adam's new wife was born of him. I think God, or however the story goes, took a bone of his and created his new wife Eve out of him versus I don't know what created what formed the constitution of Adam and Lilith to begin with. Um, but I believe it's Judaic mythology. Um, 
if we want to go deeper into it. But physically speaking with like, how do we figure out where Lilith is in a chart? A lot of positions are marked by asteroids or like planetary bodies or calculated points. And so Lilith is a calculated point. It's the, oh gosh, is it the apogee or the pedigree of the moon? It's one of those two words, I think. Uh, it's when the moon is the smallest. So often we hear about super moons. It's when it's a full moon and the moon is as big as it can possibly be in the sky because it's closest to Earth. Lilith represents that point when the moon is far away from the sky or far away from us, the Earth in the sky, and when the moon looks especially small. So a full moon conjunct Lilith would be, you know, a micro moon, which is the opposite case right now because, you know, we have a new moon. And so when the moon is full in two weeks, the moon will be opposite of Lilith in the sky. So the moon will be at its fullest. It'll be a super moon. Um, but that's just technical details that wow. are perhaps irrelevant. Um, no, that's so freaking interesting, honestly. Well, I, I it, it just cancer season as a whole is always interesting because we are ruled by the moon during the season. And yet the sun is really strong because it's the peak of summer. And so we have this duality and this relationship between the moon and the sun. And so this upcoming full moon, when the moon is, you know, the strongest, it's the well same with like the capricorn season full moon uh, it's within this axis that the moon is super strong and influencing us and affecting our reality and affecting us in our own emotional state and our moodiness and our ability to respond uh ernst wilhelm a vedic astrologer talks about the moon being how we respond to life and so it's super important for generators because they're here to respond to life so the position of your moon is important, but it's also a very Cancerian thing of how are you responding? How are you emotionally responding and energetically responding to everything that's happening to you? And with Lilith, she's empowered, right? She doesn't fall into victimhood. She takes matters into her own hands and says, no, 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 I don't agree with this story that's happening or this situation. And I'm going to do what it takes to turn the tables to you know, serve me, to be sovereign. That's kind of what she teaches us. And you brought up um, unintegrated kinks. And I'll just say that our mutual friend, Amy Lukes, once brought up a book, Existential Kink, to us. <laughs> and that is a great book for integrating all the darkness and all the shadow that we keep saying, oh, no, I don't want that to be a part of me. I, I'm going to push this away from myself because it's dark and icky and murky and it's not of the light. Um, but really it's when we integrate that and we accept it as this is a part of me because my shadow wants it to be a part of me, a part of me. Uh, it's what are the right terminologies to describe this? It's a piece of the puzzle that cannot exist without you being, no, sorry. Nope. Words are getting stuck in my head. It's just one of those days where everything is kind of mushy, which is fine. Um, but read the book. It'll explain it to you much better than I can. <laughs> there you go. Just go out and get the book, please. Um, but in terms of what's happening, uh, it's so fascinating for me and my personal experience because for quite a while now, I've been questioning my faith and my spiritual beliefs, especially with like the nodal axis having been in Gemini and Sagittarius. And 
uh, Jupiter having gone through my 12th house of undoing where, you know, Jupiter is the planet of spiritual beliefs. It was in a house where it kind of had to dissipate and dismantle itself for me to have a new fresh start with whatever my spiritual beliefs are, whatever it is that I'm holding true for myself. And it's been a murky spiritual year. And I've called into my reality, someone to follow on Instagram, whose presence is so inspiring and just empowering. And I feel just so reconnected and reinvigorated with just Jupiterian energies. And this person on Instagram um, has talked about what has been happening with the Supreme Court. And what he said was essentially like the Catholic Church is behind it. And it was, you know, the power of prayer was a spell that allowed this to unfold, that people were giving their thoughts and their energies to a specific outcome. And enough people participated that it unfolded and, you know, transpired into the collective. And it's now a part of our collective reality. And it's up to each individual to, you know, say, yes, I agree with this narrative or no, I don't agree with this narrative to embrace that inner Lilith. And say, you know, I I concur and I'm going to be on board and agree with whatever is happening and continue to support this narrative, or I'm going to choose to see things differently. And I'm going to choose to, you know, perceive a reality, which I am totally on board with. And it's kind of radical to like, think about it, because it's kind of like, you know, putting your ostrich head in the sand and saying, I don't want to look at the icky stuff. I don't want to look at all this stuff that I don't agree with. And yet that's kind of the way in which it works in which you do have to like hold true to yourself and hold true to what you believe in and choose to see and witness that which supports your own beliefs. And in doing so, it'll magnetize itself. And as our friend Donalyn would say, it becomes a Xerox machine and it replicates itself inside of you. And then it becomes, you know, a Xerox machine <laughs> set to the number a thousand where you take a, one picture and it shoots out a thousand different copies of that same picture. You have to be willing to hold on to whatever it is that you want to Xerox and then just let the Xerox machine do its work and replicate that thought out into the reality that is surrounding you. But as soon as you're afraid, oh no, is the Xerox machine going to actually do its job? Is it going to be able to copy this thought and put it out in reality for me? Then you're doubting it and then you kind of shut down the Xerox machine and don't allow it to do its magic. Sorry, long ramble. (laughs) You can... You're more than welcome to share your thoughts now, Sarah. There's so many things. (laughs) There's honestly so many things. Like, just to start from the first thread, the idea that this new moon that's squaring Jupiter happened on the point where the moon is the furthest away from the Earth during cancer season gives me pause. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you know, the, the kind of the vibe of existential kink, that's not the right word. The uh, hypothesis of existential kink is that the things that really fucking piss you off that you hate, um, excuse my French, I said that this was child friendly, but I'm sure um, they'll forgive me in the podcast land. Um, The things that you really can't stand, the things that really trigger activate you are the things that are also your turn-ons and so Mm, leaning into them right and I think that there's something that I feel is swirling around the idea something that I heard 
um, on Instagram is that, you know, cancer is selfish in the service of selflessness, which I think means that you have to be um, yourself in order to be able to serve the collective properly and not make it about people pleasing or um, basically neediness, right? So, you know, cancer on the low side could be needy, but on the high side, it's like very in touch with its own needs in order to be able to separate itself from, um, from others so that it can connect more clearly with others. Because it's like a mother, she can't ensure the livelihood of her children if she's neglecting herself. Correct. Yeah. And that's where I get, I think about um, the idea that the cancer energy has more to do with the earthen energy than just the lunar energy. I think that the, the earth and the moon are so inherently connected and in human design, the earth is something that we look at. Uh, we don't really look at it in astrology, which is because we look at everything from a um, geocentric perspective. But I think, you know, the location of the earth in comparison to the rest of the, um, the stuff in the sky is important. Um, because that's essentially what the moon is reflecting. The moon is only capable of showing us what is going on on the earth. And I think that, you know, having the new moon be in a point that's the farthest away um, from the earth, it's almost like the projections are really high, not in a human design way, but in like a, that's not mine, that's yours kind of way where people aren't taking responsibility necessarily for their own side of the road. You know, they're trying to clean up other people's side of the road. And I don't mean to sound, um, I guess, I don't know, it's, it's hard because most of spiritual community rests very heavily in the liberal, um, let's say democratic side. But like the more I get, like the older I get, everything just seems like a puppet show. Mm-hmm. And I certainly feel terribly in some ways about what happened with Roe v. Wade because it does feel like a step back but what I know from the spiritual level is that there is a huge backlash that's happening because so many people are coming online and energy is being woken up and there's like a bifurcation of energy where there's in human design speak a lot of people living in the not self um, world and they are getting further and further away from being able to switch into the the self world. And, you know, I'm like, all you need is human design, you know, <laughs> to like, to like get yourself on the right path. But in reality, Ross said this, it's, it's for the children. It's not for the people who are adults right now. And like those of us that are adults, we can take it. And it's, a, it's a, I can't remember his name, John something, the Hawaiian human design mm-hmm. guy. Um, just said that it's like it's a muddy bloody road to decondition yourself and the awake people need to be awake right now Um, very seriously because there's a lot of not self conditioned um, fear that is floating around in the collective and I think what would be worse than the supreme court's decision because ultimately it's like okay this is what this is what the wheel of fortune has delivered us right now. That's basically what it is. It may be uh, like the spell that came in through the form of prayers. And the way that I perceive that is just 
that people are, you know, they aren't concerning themselves with their own lives. And so they're doing all of this praying for something like abortions to be illegal. It's like, you should be concerning yourself with yourself. You know, like, that's how I feel about it. It's, it's just, and that's also why I refuse to get angry about it because, you know, I could go on a huge diatribe about all of the women who aren't able to um, have the type of education that's required to get them in a position where they're empowered and where they're learning how to decondition themselves and that they're not being culturally programmed and like, you know, they're not living in poverty. Like, and those women are the ones that are getting basically um, punished in a way. It's not even punished. It's basically, it's, it's beyond punishment, but they're, they're being forced into making decisions potentially that are going to reverberate into the rest of their lives, undoubtedly. And, and so like, I could go on a huge diatribe about that, which I kind of just did. But ultimately, I think that, you know, it's, this is where the wheel of, this is a Pisces thing that I'm going to say, but this is where the wheel of fortune has spinned us right now. And it's not to say just like, rest on our laurels it's because there's people who have a collective karma which means they need to be out there like um what's her name court um uh, aoc alexandria uh, ocasio um like she's got a collective karma she's out there living what her what was correct for her probably and she's in the politic game and like that's correct for some people to do that's not what's correct for me to do so I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be guilt ridden because I'm not going out in the streets. But at the same time, I'm, I think, aware of what's like what's happened and like looking at it from like a universal level. It just it gives you a different perspective, because in my mind, we've already been living in the Kali Yuga for I don't know who knows how long. I mean, it's been a while. And so I, I'm used to the darkness. I mean, I really am. And so this is just, this for me is like a backlash um, against a lot of the energies that are coming online. Uh, I feel like there's other things, but I'll, I'll give it a, a break for a second. Laura, if you want to chime in. Yeah. So something another astrologer on Instagram came, said that I came across was that this isn't just a one and done deal. Lilith is going to continue to be in Cancer for quite some time, up until sometime in 2023. I don't remember exactly when. Um, so it's not like this is poof, the end, end of story, turn the next page, enter the next book. It's going to be a conversation that's kind of ongoing. And like you said, the bifurcation of energy, like we need the darkness to be able to see it. And I think part of that is the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio. Scorpio is kind of like what are you looking at what are you giving your energy to Taurus is like what's actually happening in our reality we can think about Scorpio as a psychic lens like a detective looking through his magnifying glass it represents like what is actually being seen the different layers that are there uh Scorpio or the eighth house also represent everything underground mining uh coal mines oil everything that's below the surface and I like to think about it like a vast ocean and all the different layers that we are so oblivious to about what exists in the ocean it's a big scary world in the ocean not scary but like very mysterious very unknown to us and it kind of shows what are we looking at 
Sagittarius, what comes after Scorpio is like, okay, what are you, what are your, what are your beliefs based on what you're looking at? But Scorpio is like, what are you looking at? And so we can question, why are we looking at the things that we are looking at? Why you said like all those women praying for abortions to be illegal. Why were they doing that? Who told them to focus on that? Who gave them the clue like, oh, that's what you should be focusing on instead of focusing on yourself, perhaps like not to like have a giant rant against the church, but perhaps it was the church that said, hey, you should focus on saying these prayers that like the church was pointing everyone into that scorpionic direction of this is what you should be paying attention to. This is what you should be giving your energy to. Uh, this is what will feed the narrative, et cetera, et cetera. And so we can't realize what that is unless it's brought up in our faces, all messy and ugly. And so now we can say, what is the narrative? How do we feel about this being the narrative? And do we want to change the narrative? We can take the power back into our own hands. Um, but it just makes you question, why is it that you're paying attention to the things that you're paying attention to? What is the route? How did you get there? How did you end up where you are? What is the path that got you there? So food for thought for you to question what you yourself give your energy to, because what you do give your energy to, that's what multiplies in your life. So be more careful and constructive and co-creative with your life force, please, because it's so vital and so important to your existence and everyone's existence around you. Um, but like you said, it's not everyone's mission. Like, you know, if you're a politician, yes, you got into that path probably because it's correct for you because you're there to have a vast impact. You're like not even politicians. We often mention Phil Good and how much we love him, but thinking about the impact he has on social media, he, it's a very public karmic energy, transkarmic of like changing the lives of someone else, changing the lives of a lot of other people. Certain people are here for that impact and that's not necessarily everyone. That's probably a very small portion of people are here to have a very vast impact on the collective and to change multitudes of lives. But you yourself are in charge of your own life first and foremost. So focus on that. But again, some people, like you said, they're not meant to focus on their own life. They're meant to focus on the lives of others. It's, it's nitty gritty. <laughs> There's lots of weeds tangled among this bed of seaweed. So I'll <laughs> leave that there. Um, okay. Seaweed. I like how we're pulling in the water, um, the water energy with the cancer new moon. Um, but I think you know, I was just considering how everything that's happening right now is happening in cardinal, in cardinal signs. And something that dawned on me too, is just that, you know, whether or not anybody wants to admit this, like women have been, women have been unable and basically because of the patriarchal system, women have been unable to inhabit the entirety of their essence for a very long time, at least in the West. And I think that, you know, there's, uh, you know, an obsession with uh, virginal energy. There's an obsession with purity, with um, youth. Uh, there's a refusal to um, see women as multifaceted beings when it comes to things like porn and the like. Um, I mean, it's, it's in a lot, there's, it's in, you know, a lot of movies. 
there's a refusal to accept aging women in a way where we, we give them the, um, the respect that they're due when they do it in a way, when they do it in a way where they're actually wisdom keepers. Uh, women haven't been listened to, you know, and, and, and we've also been part of the reason that we haven't been listened to because we've internalized the patriarchal system of dominator culture, where we are um, just also trying to dominate other women. And so it's not like a men versus women thing. It's more about the feminine in general, but the feminine has the feminine hasn't been able to expand into its um, largeness for a very long time and its multifacetedness. And I think that a lot of people are coming online to realize, oh, okay, I've only been inhabiting this very small slice of the pie of life, you know, because culturally I'm supposed to be nice, be pretty, um, I'm supposed to be amenable. I'm supposed to nurture, take care of all of those things. And uh, it's, it's, it's fine and good until, you know, you want a deeper meaning in your life and you need to search after it. And the deeper meaning might come from something that, you know, people socially don't consider worthy because it doesn't have to do with power, prestige, fame, and fortune. And I just, I see more and more women coming into their own understanding and bigness and largeness of realizing that they're just, they're people. I mean, one example is like, we're watching The Sopranos, um, Tony Soprano. I mean, he's this kind of like overweight, balding guy who's like, you know, who's basically like the lead actor of a show. Nobody's making fun of the way that he looks. You would never see a woman that's the same, that has the same kind of physical features or physical issues um, being able to take on that kind of a role in Hollywood. It would never happen. And like, what kind of message are we sending to people, to, you know, our children, things like that, when they never see a woman who's imperfect on the main screen in a leading role, unless she's a laugh, unless she's a comic relief. Um, and there's, you know, there's a few women that break the archetype, but most of them have been in the game for a very long time. And a lot of them have had to be scary um, actresses. They've had to play in horror roles too. Um, I'm thinking of, well, actually, you know what, I don't, I'm, I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm not even going to go there. But, but I just think that there's, there's a lot of energy around the feminine that's coming online right now. And we talked about it when we were in, um, we talked about it when, honestly, when we were in uh, Taurus season two. So, so, so yeah. Okay. I guess I'll probably get off of my um, soapbox now. <laughs> but wouldn't you say that the narrative around that is changing? Yeah. That women are starting to take up more space and like wear all the different coats and whatever that they wear. If when there's an idiom for it, I'm not great with idioms as you'll soon learn <laughs> listener because I always mix them up and like say the wrong words, but um, there are different, I feel like it is happening. And I feel like part of that, what came to my mind when you were talking was that like in the spiritual new age community, there's been lingo mumbo jumbo I don't know what you want to call it that the north and south pole are shifting kind of like with the 
procession of the equinoxes reaching that full circle of where we are in the spiritual growth of our position in the universe slash galaxy that the nodes are quote unquote changing (laughs) the north pole is becoming the south pole and vice versa and what came to my mind just now is like that's the matriarchy versus patriarchy that's what's changing that's the energy that is getting turned upside down so that another energy the matriarchy can kind of like take root and take up space and influence the collective and Richard Rudd in the Gene Keys often talks about a hierarchy how it's not necessarily that the matriarchy is going to take over and bombard the patriarchy but there's going to be a hierarchy in place of like neutral ground space for everyone and I feel like part of that is due to the nature of the matriarchy of being warm and enveloping and nurturing and being cooperative rather than competitive that in its nature it allows for the heterarchy to exist because it's not dominating it's not the nature of the matriarchy to be dominating so in its own essence it allows this co-creative energy to unfold and so I wonder if that is the quote-unquote shifting of the poles that has been mentioned in spiritual new age community that it's actually the coming of age of the matriarchy Oh, it a hundred percent is like, I can literally feel my old skin being shed, like quite literally, like all of the cultural values that I ascribe to like being super skinny, like all of the things, you know, that I just unconsciously held true about what I needed to be like are coming into question now. And I think a lot of women are going through this and it's almost like you, you've been wearing a fucking pair of jeans. I guess this, this episode's going to, I'm going to have to say there's cursing in it, but you're wearing a pair of jeans that are just too tight and you've been wearing them since you were in seventh grade. And like, now you're 30 and it's like, these jeans have to go. <laughs> like they, we need them gone. Like we're done with them. We need a new outfit, you know? And I can feel myself just ripping off the jeans and kind of just like being naked right now, but, um, and waiting for my new outfit basically. And I think that that's the cocoon that we're in, but, um, on that note, I feel like what often comes to my mind of like, okay, because this energy is here and this energy is changing, what do I have to do? I often get caught up in the mentality of like, what do I have to do differently? What do I have to, you know, physically change? What do I have to, like, how can I use my energy for this? And that's more of the masculine mindset of doing versus it's what is conducive and supportive is who do I have to be? What qualities do I have to be in every moment of my life? or whenever anything happens, it's not about doing anything to change or doing anything to fix it or doing anything to, you know, embrace the feminine essence. It's being the feminine essence and not needing to do anything at all. And it's a shift inside that allows the outer reality to change with it. Exactly. It's being, it's being. And it's, it's, it's walking into the room, like God sent you there, <laughs> you know, like just being a woman, um, and allowing that energy and not seeking, um, in, in my like circle of the girls that I work with, we say it's being the ovum, 
because what does the ovum do? I mean, there's a lot of different uh, metaphors we can use, but essentially it is only choosing ever. It's not ever seeking. It's just deciding what works for it and what doesn't. And that's basically the extent of it, of that's the extent that the feminine needs to do. Um, it, it rejects everything that's not in alignment with it and it chooses and it sits there <laughs> <laughs> and it just chills until the thing comes to it. So, so yeah, I completely, I agree. And I'm not sure exactly if there's a point here, but. Um, I think it's just Cancer New Moon talk. <laughs> yeah. Talking cancer about the womb and feminine energy and the matriarchy. Yeah, Cancer New Moon talk with a side of the Supreme Court needing to get uh, slapped in the face. Um, but yeah, anyway, I guess we could. The only thing that I would just add, I guess, with the astrology is the Mars squaring Pluto energy, which feels pretty. It feels um, pretty much like a power grab to me. This is the opening square of the Mars-Pluto cycle. So similarly to the moon and the sun, um, the every planet has a cycle with every other planet because there's always a time where, where they conjoin and then a time where they separate um, and go, one goes, you know, one always goes faster than the other one around the, the circle until they meet back up again. So um, Mars had its conjunction at the very beginning of March with Pluto. Would be interested to see if there was anything coming up around then um, that might be, re uh, might be needing to be revisited. But um, we, like we talked about Pluto a little bit in the beginning, Lori, you touched on Pluto and the energy of Pluto and the going deep. Pluto doesn't allow you to sit on your hands and watch as your life goes by. It will make you very uncomfortable if you haven't faced certain shadows in your life. And Mars square Pluto is like, you better get, you're going to be super uncomfortable if there's things that you haven't addressed that I, you know, you could consider unconscious material. Um, if you're super unconscious, which I think I mentioned last week, if you're very unconscious, then that's where you see some crazy things popping off. Uh, for people that do shadow work, there may be some dark nights of the soul, or may, there may just be some um, more clearly defined issues that come up that show you where you need to lean in to letting go. Uh, so, so that's what I would say for the Mars square Pluto that's happening, what you said on Friday. Yeah, well, I think on the 1st, July 1st, whatever day that is, it's in between the 1st and the 2nd that it's happening. Um, and I'm not sure with the, the degree. I think Pluto is currently at, um, oh, I lost my place in my ephemeris. One second, it's at 27.49, um, but he's retrograding. So I think he might be 27.48 at the time of the... Uh, square. So Mars will be like 2748 of Aries. I think, yeah, that's on the first. So that is a Friday. It's so correct. Correct. You are correct. I never know what day of the week it is. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. So do you have anything else for, um, for Mars Pluto or do, do we think we want to move? 
No, I just think it's interesting what you said about how it's kind of like the first square of the whole cycle if we consider Mars conjunct Pluto to be the beginning of that cycle. And like you said, it was at the beginning of March. I looked it up. It was March 3rd, I think, or March 2nd, something like that. Um, So yeah, it's, I don't know, if you look at a full circle in terms of squares, I mentioned this last week, but a square is kind of something coming around the corner without you actually seeing it. It's, if you imagine, you know, walking down the street and there is a corner and someone's coming across it. If you're not paying attention and you don't turn your head to see who might be there, you might bump into someone and it might be a brutal bump in, bumping into them. It's not going to be like, a, oh, hey, how are you doing? You're going to smack bodies and it'll kind of shake you. And versus an opposition, you kind of see who you're walking towards. You see what's coming at you dead on. So I don't know. I think it's interesting that you called it a power grab. I feel like it's a power grab out of left field that we don't expect that's going to just pop up out of the corner and surprise us. Um, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily see it concretely, like in reality yet, but it'll be there. <laughs> it'll make itself known. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's, we're already feeling it. (laughs) We're already feeling it with all of the tensions really high right now. Again, with the, with everything that's going on in the Supreme Court, I wouldn't be surprised if something more intense pops off in reaction to it. Um, And I think that, you know, the way that I've been feeling, because also right now Mars is or, you know, for the past couple of days, Mars has been very closely conjunct my natal Venus is like, you know, I said this before, I've been having like a couple dark nights of the soul internally too, because I'm dealing with my own internal oppressor, you know, my own internal patriarchy, my own internalized beauty standards, my own sense of self-worth that's been built from values that aren't mine. And it's really painful because the ego holds on to it um, because it's given you power in the past. And if you can't surrender the things that have given you power, even though those things that gave you power were based on, um, a system that only values power, not love, right. Then, you know, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have a lot of trouble just letting go of it. And, that's what I'm basically, I came up against this weekend with myself is just like the very close to, I'm not going to say inability, but a struggle uh, with within myself of letting go of certain things um, that, you know, that I don't, that my ego doesn't want to let go of, but my higher self is like, you know, it's, if, if you can't value yourself outside of all of these cultural standards, then like, how can you tell anyone else to value themselves outside of it? And yeah, that's, that's kind of what I feel like we're coming up against internally, if it is internal at all for you. Um, That's the kind of energy I would expect. Um, Okay, well, (laughs) on that very bright note. (laughs) We can move on to talking about the gene keys and the human design a little. Do you want to um, give a little overview? Sure. So like we said, gene key 52, it's the shadow of stress, the gift of, let me open it up on my computer, the gift of restraint and the city of stillness. And it's in the root center and part of logical circuitry. So it's on the bottom right side 
of the root center and it reaches up towards the sacral. So it's one of three formatting energies. All the three channels between the root and the circle are called formatting energies. And if you have any gates of channels among these, they kind of override other energies in your chart in terms of how your energy operates. And this one is all about stillness, uh, which is interesting. So for its part of the logical circuitry, um, logical circuitry wants to find a solution and Sarah shared with me some resources on looking at circuitry and human design and I still haven't gotten around to them so I wonder if you have anything more to contribute other than what I share but it looks for solutions it wants to project into the future to find something to fix it's kind of like guilt motivation it it wants to do its job to figure out what's wrong so I can improve upon it and it in the energy of like wanting to fix something, it's kind of very deliberate and linear. It's kind of masculine in a way that abstract circuitry is more flowy, floaty, different colors versus logical is like, let's point to arrow directly where we're going and try to get there. And, you know, when we come up against something along the road, we'll try to fix it, but let's just like, this is where we're going. This is how we're gonna get there. This is the path that we're gonna take. And so that logical circuitry starts off in gene key 52 and it goes up to gate nine uh, in the sacral and it moves over to gate five and 15. And so we just recently talked about gene key 15, but it has the quality of time to it, just like gene key five and 15, uh, this quality of, you know, quote unquote timelessness, which is the city of five, but it's more of like, there is no time. There's all the time in the world we when we enter a state of stillness with this gene key we realize that there's only ever the present moment and in that there's all the time in the world within the present moment but when we're in the shadow of stress we feel the pressure that's in the root center it's a pressure center the pressure to do the pressure to go along that path of the linear path of the logical circuitry to find the solution find where we're going look at the future kind of like it's it's that quality of Sagittarius to a certain degree, how Sagittarius is always like pointing its arrow 10 steps ahead of itself. And it's not really clued into where it is right now. It's just looking at where it wants to be and it's distracted from the present moment. The key or the, not the key, but like one of the pleasures of 52 is being able to be grounded in the present moment and in that quality of stillness to not be distracted by everything that needs to get done. And in that stillness, activity happens uh, when you're not distracted by everything and when you're allowing yourself full immersion in the present moment, energy will naturally come up and guide you where it is that you need to go and take you along that path of the logical circuit, get you to the next step, get you moving, and the pressure will naturally come up to move you. But in that it has this, you know, Cancerian feminine quality of you first have to do nothing in order to do something. If you're too busy doing something, then you can't do the right thing that's going to get you where you need to go. Um, and I think that's my summary very quickly for it. It's funny because before I came on to this chat with Sarah, I was very much in the shadow of 52 because I was doing a thousand things at once. I was feeling the stress. I was not feeling still. And it was just a constant chaotic rumble in my head of everything that I need to do. And it was, it was chaos.
pure chaos. It was interesting. And yet, for me, this gene key is, um, it's not the programming partner because the programming, the programming partner is 58 also in the root. Um, but this gene key is part of that channel of focus. And so I guess I really lightly touched on that. I can go into deeper focus on the channel of focus. But um, for me, my design, my personality son is gene key nine and I don't have 52. So when 52 gets activated, especially by the sun, because it's most of our neutrinos, as I've discussed last week, um, it gives me root center definition to my personality sun and it gives me a bunch of energy. And so I feel like all week I've been in little misproductive pants. I've had energy to do things versus like my natural state is to be like a complete potato and not do anything at all. And then complain that I don't have the energy to do anything and be miserable with my state of lack of energy and yet not be able to fully rest. And so I, this gene key offers that ability to rest and connect to that inner pressure and the feminine, even though it's a masculine energy because it's logical, it's the feminine pressure that allows you to you know, pick the right thing to do when it is that you need to do it. And um, in terms of formatting energy, there's, I can't remember <laughs> the details about it. Sorry. I know that right now we also have abstract circuitry defined in the formatting channels. Um, as we're chatting right now, the moon is in definition with, I can't remember what other planet, I can look it up. But um, let's see, one second, please. The channel 4253, I think it's Mars, is active right now. And that's the abstract formatting channel. And that channel has a lot of qualities to it of how you have to you know, enter into something in the right timing and you have to see it through to the end. And it's, I don't know, I like to use a hopscotch, not a hopscotch, but a jump rope analogy for various things, but it's kind of like the, you have to wait for the other players who are going to play jump rope with you to be there to like hold the ropes so that you can jump in and play with them. It's not like you can just do it by yourself, jump rope. Not saying that with 5342, you need to sound like someone with it for you to have the energy, but it's more circumstantial that, you know, a little gate will open itself up when the timing is right for you to hop in down a path and kind of have to like weigh down that energy through to the end and like experience everything that you need to experience along that decision-making path. And eventually the energy will complete itself and come full circle, full resolution for you to gain whatever it is you need to gain from that experience. Um, so it has this, kind of flow let's say instead it's like a river and you have to like get into the kayak and you have to go all the way down the river in order or a slide there we go <laughs> now I'm thinking of all these different ways to think about it it's a slide at the children's park you have to climb the ladder get to the top of the the slide thing and then go down the slide and then only after you've gone down the slide can you go back up and do it again you can't stop in the middle of going down the slide and say hey I want out I don't want to be here anymore. You have to go down the entire slide to like get back on your footing on the ground to decide to say, I don't want to go on that slide anymore. Or do you want to go on that slide again? Um, but that's kind of right now, as we're talking, this energy is defined again by said by the moon. And 53 is 
53 is the moon. Oh, it's, it is Mars. 42 is Mars right now. Um, but that's a very temporary energy because the moon only spends about five hours in each gate. Um, but 52, nine, um, 52 is defined, but nine isn't. So nine is the energy of, uh, action and determination. It's the shadow of inertia, the gift of determination and the city of invincibility. And it's an energy of focus too. So nine and 52 work together to harness focus and concentration and stillness for something to happen, for the energy to unfold and for you to like see where it is that you're going to get there. Um, but right now we're lacking gate nine. So we're lacking that determined, focused energy. Focus versus stillness. That's the key. Like you can be still with 52, but if you don't have anything to focus on, then the activity can't happen. But you can be focused with nine, but if you don't have the stillness, then the nine is going to get all frazzled and grumpy and <laughs> distracted. 52 and nine work together with both stillness and focus to bring concentration for a desirable outcome to unfold. Um, I think that's the key here. So we can be finding ourselves still. And one of the benefits of stillness is like the ability to meditate and to not do anything and in that embrace our inner femininity, but it's not necessarily ideal for quote unquote productivity, though I said I was productive this week. Okay, very long tangent, Sarah. Please share your ideas and experiences with this gene key. Yeah. Um, well, on the one hand, yeah, I like, I totally understand. I really understand this energy. Actually, my old boss had 52 as his personality son. Um, so I, I really understand the repressive and reactive nature of it actually. And I think it's interesting because when 15 was activated, which is what we talked about last week, there was a level of natural presence, right? That fluorescence of just being able to be in the moment. And that's what was going on when I was at, I was planning everything for my sister in Florida for her baby shower. And it was just very, it was just very in the moment energy of just moving with the flow of things. Uh, and then I got to my aunts when the 52 is activated and, you know, for the first time in many days, it was like, okay, now you get to chill. And I was like, this is when, you know, the dark night of the soul comes through because I'm like, okay, like chilling is kind of hard. If there are any unanswered questions in your heart, or especially during a Mars square Pluto transit, when you're like, you know, basically being uh, asked to look at some of the more shadowy um, parts of your uh, being. But anyway, there's a lot of different things that Richard Rudd talks about in the, um, in the book. And I think that, let me see, this time I actually decided to underline some things because I, I work better that way. Um, he says that the collective power of the 52nd shadow keeps humans from trusting in the flow of life. And I think that's important because again, like this kind of goes back to what I was saying before. It's like for some people, it is correct to be a politician or be working in politics and all of those types of things. But what's not correct for anyone is to be afraid, right? Because of what's going on, because that means that for some reason you're incapable of trusting the flow of life. Now, there are certainly powers that be that are, you know, malevolent, but at the same time, you know, 
the universe is kind of stronger than that in a lot of ways. And so I don't think it's spiritual bypassing to think that, you know, we have to let go of control in order to live in a more fearless way and kind of trust in the ebb and the flow of, of the energy. And I think in the 52nd gene key, especially in the shadow of restlessness, it's when you see people who are constantly kind of, um, they're, they're like trying to swim up river, you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, it's, it's like, okay, like you can do that. It's a lot harder, but if that's what you wanna do, go for it. Uh, instead of just letting the current take them where it's going to take them. And something else, and this is a little bit of a longer uh, piece of content. Um, basically, he talks about how the 52nd gift concerns human organizations um, and that it contains a seed that will one day bring all human beings into a perfect organizational unity, which sounds awesome. <laughs> Hopefully I get to experience that in my lifetime. Um, but right now it just has to do with the trust in life, like I was talking about before and just kind of going with the flow. Um, but something he notes with the 52nd gene key, um, the more selfless your intention, the more power it will have. If you begin with the right intention, then everything will follow. But you must resist the temptation to interfere with the process out of fear. The intention is the seed and the seed contains all the necessary ingredients and properties that will be needed in the journey ahead. The seed even contains the specific fragrances that will attract the right allies at the right time. It is also true to say that the greater the power, the longer it takes to germinate. The seed of a yew tree and the seed of a sunflower are similar in size. However, while the sunflower will grow to its full size within a space of a few months, the yew tree has depth and complexity and will begin at different at a different pace and follow its own timing. It may take 10 years just to reach the height of the sunflower, but it may live as long as 5,000 years. And I think this just speaks to the idea of timing and trusting timing and like understanding that just because some people are sunflowers doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you if you're a yew tree. And in fact, if you're a yew tree that you have to be slower <laughs> in order to get your roots as deep into the ground as, as they're needed to be able to grow and last as long as it's going to last essentially. And I really loved that because it spoke to the feminine too, right? The beingness of the feminine of just like not interfering or trying to control the river or trying to swim upstream, like I was saying before. Um, and it's a balance because you also do have the intention. You also do have to, you have to have the, the intention in the first place. You can't just be like, well, whatever, I'm just going to go with the flow and kind of never actually choose a, a direction or a way. But once you do create the, the intention, then you have to just have faith and trust. And um, that's something that I'm really trying to learn to do, which is knowing that if there's something that's trying to come through me, that, you know, that's in, that's in service to other people outside of just myself, then that thing, I should just trust it and allow it to, you know, present itself the way that it wants to present itself in my life. And, um, yeah, I feel like stillness has been, it's been the vibe. <laughs>
to use that word again this week for me. Um, I was talking about how like I'm on retirement time right now. <laughs> and it feels really good because um because you know as a projector it's just it's it's a it's a slow pace that is like the best for my soul. So so yeah so I guess I'll I'll probably leave it there for the 52nd gene key. Um, I really like this key. I really like the idea of um, yeah, the idea of it and uh, and just the way that it, it's showing up and like also unfortunately the way that probably in the collective we're seeing it show up in the repressive and the reactive side um, with the restlessness that a lot of people are feeling. Um, but but yeah, Laura, do you want to touch on anything else from there? Yeah, uh, I want to share that the I Ching name for this um, hexagram is mountain over mountain. And it kind of made me think about what you said about the ovum just sits there and decides it doesn't seek, it doesn't reach out and do anything. It's just there pleasantly waiting. And I feel like that's the essence of the mountain. It just waits for someone to say, hey, I'm going to climb this mountain or I want to do something with this mountain. The mountain is just peaceful in its stillness. And it doesn't have to reach out and do anything or try to seek for anything. Interestingly, this is part of the code on ring of seeking. So it's weird that that word was brought up. Um, but yeah, it, it just has this inner peace to it. And last week I was talking about like the, the vibe I feel. <laughs> the, there's this quality of like chillness that some people have like mother earth and when I envision this person in my head it's like a green woman who has a long flowy skirt on and she has like long dark hair and she's just pachamama and just so relaxed and I feel like the energy I was trying to connect with when having that you know vision in my head was this gene key this gene key of the stillness the peaceful woman who's just there and relaxing and waiting for the right things to come and when they do she has that steadiness that steadfastness that will take her where she needs to go but it's so easy to get caught up in the repressive and reactive shadows of being stuck or restless that's true for sure and I realized also this gene key 5-2 is similar to 2-5 with my numerology being 257 because it's 527 and so I was just like, whoa, mind blown, because <laughs> that's my life lesson of the two, the five and the seven. And this gene key has those numbers and brings together those three lessons um, of like, especially with the five, the five seeks freedom and kind of wants to, you know, do its thing and doesn't want to be burdened down. And in that it can get into the restlessness of this shadow yet when it's focused and it just does what it needs to be doing sorry I'm watching this I wish Donald was here to say it for me but I feel like the freedom qualities of five in numerology um kind of are reflected heavily in this gene key but yeah I feel like this is um a huge life lesson for me like this whole gene key because my personality son is always looking for this energy of like I can focus on something I just can't sit still and that as I was thinking about this gene key too I was thinking about my PHS in human design which is nervous touch which suggests that it's like 
good for me or healthy for my brain to be distracted and for my nervous system to be active in order to properly assimilate nutrients and to take what it needs and learn what it needs and, you know, take energies in correctly. And, um, this gene key is counterintuitive nervous type. I was just one for people who have this key, especially as their design son who have like touches their people. Uh, just obvious uh, for you human being um but earlier we talked incarnation when i looked them up so um there is the right angle cross of so that is 52 being the personality then on the design 17 and 18 or it would be the juxtaposition so if you're a four in 52 it would be 20 uh, a single cross of demand also has 21 and 48. So to answer that question we brought up earlier, 52 were with 50, 17, and 18, and 58, 21, and 40. Those are gene keys programmers. Um, Can you yeah, repeat the like name of the cross? You said demand. Okay, so cross to 5156162, sorry. The cross of demands. Okay. That's with 21 and 48. And then if you're right angle, so 1, 3, 1, 4, 2, 4, 2, 5, 3, 5, 3, 6, 4, 6, that it's you have design, sun, and earth in 17 and 18. And that's the cross of service. And I think that cross is really interestingly named because. 58 and 18, if you have that cross, you naturally have root and spleen defined with channel 5818. Um, no, am I wrong? Am I right? I think so. I think 58 is the channel, the whole channel of correction. Yes. And so those people actually have a quality of judgment to them because they want to fix things. Part of that logical circuitry that wants, that sees these how can be improved upon and they want to share that information with others and if you have that you have to wait to be invited to check that because it's not that's a projector channel certain channels are projector channels if you're not connected to the throat or to the sacral center um they're just considered factory you have to be invited into using the energy or sharing what it is like correcting and so 52 has that energy that it wants to service it wants to help the world it wants to give positive actions and yet it's that cross that you have to be invited into those situations in which you can't probably share what it is that you are there correct so anyways that's sarah no that's really interesting because it is the cross of service then that was activated by well part of the cross of service that was activated by this new moon squaring jupiter and we know that the sun and Jupiter are the one that has the most neutrinos. And I just wanted to, I don't usually read from the book directly. I usually just catch the information and then kind of, um, kind of pull it together in my own way. But I think it's important because he says, you know, every human being alive contains the, this intention. It is the seed of an individual destiny. Um, and so basically, 
the question that you have to ask to be able to get your intention is how can I be of the greatest service to humanity? And he says, then you must live the answer. And he goes on to say, as long as you remain in touch with the seed of your true intentions, you may experience an outer pause, but you cannot be stuck. Deep within the seed or indeed the plant, new shoots are being born. And it is usually at this stage when humans become restless and try to force a direction. Ironically, it is during the moments of outer pause when all energy seems to come to a halt that the greatest growth occurs. And so I think, you know, I'm just thinking about probably like how many people are getting activated coming online because of the energy that's happening right now. Um, it may obviously, there's always a shadow, there's always a shadow that it's going to show up as as well. You know, there's also going to be a lot of interfering. Um, but I think that just in general, I, I get the sense that people are kind of trying to get in touch with their own intention and asking themselves the question of, you know, what is the thing that I can do that will be of greatest service? And that's a very matriarchy question. That's not a patriarchy. Patriarchy question is what is the thing that I can do that will give me the greatest power? And so, you know, I think we can all, we can all ask ourselves that question, you know, what's the thing that, that we are, it turns our souls on and also is the thing that, um, is the greatest service because when you get those two things together, it's like the plant's gonna grow. <laughs> like you've got the the perfect ingredients to grow the plants. And I think that's part of the reason that me and you have our podcast because it's like, we know that this is what we're, we're good at and it will help people ultimately if they're able to process and alchemize some of the energies. Um, so I feel like that's a pretty good place to start to wrap up. Um, is there anything you wanna touch on before we, finish the finish for the night uh let me just double check where the other human design placements are because we still have 4323 so the throat and ajna are still active and this 4253 is very temporary it's just this call that is kind of being activated um there's just a root definition right so you know the pressure you're putting on yourself to do things that you think to get done and uh be aware if that pressure is um your body having the energy to do the thing or is it an extra that you think is thrust upon you from the outside saying you should be doing this thing or oh that thing needs to get done do it now now so just be relationship to pressure because center has a lot of definition this week yeah i mean i'm like thinking in my head like that's my life because my <laughs> because my chart is so much root definition and uh but, but yeah I've been I've been feeling that for sure so thanks for the heads up I've definitely been like you know feeling the pressure to get things done um so yeah so it's a good it's one way that you get really restless you know if you have all of that so maybe everyone just lay like like I'm doing just lay off the coffee um if you're feeling stressed out about anything <laughs> Okay, I guess that's probably it. So um, do we know what the key next week is? The gate? Oh no, I may have lost you. Okay, well, everyone, thank you for being here. Um, 
we, I think, may have lost Laura, at least on my end. But, um, but yeah, I think that's a good place to end anyway. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll see you next week to talk more about the transits and human design and Gene Keys. Good night. <laughs>